Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi everybody, this is Laurie Handlers and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. And today I'm very excited to have a guest who was on my show, I don't know how long ago, not terribly long ago, within the last year. Um, I'll tell you who he is. This is like part, this is going to be part two, like what's happened since I interviewed him last. So without further ado, I'll just tell you who he is. Matthew Solomon is a coach. He's a coach for the modern soul, a love and intimacy coach specializing in relationships and communication. He's also the author of the Amazon number one best-selling new release, Man School, Relating with Women in the Me Too Era. And he writes a weekly column, Too Sensitive, for the Good Men Project. So I had Matthew on the show when... Uh, the man school book just came out. And so between now and back then, I think he's experienced a lot and he wasn't writing for the good men project then. And so I've invited him back because I want to know, you know, what new growth has happened with him and what we should be looking at in terms of the me too era and what's happening in our world right now. So Matthew, welcome back to Sex and Happiness for Man School Part 2. Yeah, thank you so much, Lori. It's so great to be back here. Yeah, so how is it going? I know you're all over the place, and I know that um, that you've been getting, you know, every group I'm on on Facebook and whatever, I see you there now. You went to me from a totally unknown person, yeah. somebody that I see commenting and, you know, um, tagging me for important posts and things kind of everywhere. So how's it going? It's been, I mean, it's been amazing. You know, we, we, so the book came out in June uh, last year, 2018. So that's when you and I first connected. And, and since then the, you know, it became a number one new release on Amazon. Uh, I've been doing a lot of interviews and really have had the opportunity to speak and, share about understanding and connection and consent and really get involved deeper in the, in the conversation and, and really get deeper with men. You know, when, when the book came out, I was writing it from the perspective of what women have been sharing with me and translating it for men. And, and as I've gotten deeper into it and really getting in touch more with myself as a man and what men deal with and, and why we, react and respond the way that we do. It's really been uh, amazing and moving. And, and out of that also came, like you said, I, I'm writing the weekly column for the Good Men Project to, to support men in all of our growth. Yeah, congratulations on that. That's really, it's an important, uh, it's an important thing, the Good Men Project, and it's great that you're writing for them now. It's wonderful. So con- really, congratulations yeah, on all you. of it. Yeah, so let's revisit it. I mean, I... This is here's the thing for me. 
you know, I want people to be sexually free. I, it's, I want them to be specifically sexually free because I feel that people who are sexually free cannot be controlled. That said, I don't mean sexually free like they can just do anything they want. You know, I have this big campaign on that I actually just talked to you about privately, you know, trying to prevent sexual abuse on college campuses between, you know, athletes who seem to get away with it and um, roofied co-eds. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm I, sexually free. Sexual freedom to me doesn't mean people can just pandemonium do anything they want and be uh, abusive as they have been in the past. Sexually free means people with consciousness and with a sense of integrity and purpose in being having freedom to express their bodies uh, and let their bodies be and their intuition be their guide rather than only their intellect and only uh, rising to power in the ways that people have under patriarchy and so on. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm very liberal in that sense. And at the same time, I have guidelines and parameters on what I mean when I say sexual freedom. Yeah. So, you know, what, so the Me Too era has both moved me to tears in terms of people speaking out on what's on the on the the things that have happened to them that they've remi- that they were silent about for so long, and at the same time, it's a it, it's apparent to me that men have become also targets of bullying and um, emasculation and all kinds of things. Uh, are being projected on them. So, so the, I don't know how to balance it out yet. We haven't, the, the, the pendulum hasn't swung back yet, but right. what have you learned? What have you learned by working with men uh, at this time? Like what's, is it, there's gotta be a whole lot of new growth edges for you since, since June, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I, and you're so right about the pendulum, you know, because it, it's, it's such a, part of us as humans that whenever there's a a movement or a group or something that emerges in response to something at some point the the opposite shows up and then it becomes you know like whatever the context is we we end up getting into uh battles with each other and arguing for positions and points of view and and so really i mean where i come from and what i've seeing that works is is the more that we turn towards each other and really seek to understand each other, the, the better off we are. And, and one of the amazing things that I've seen is, you know, at the beginning of the the online need to movement, um, you know, men were on the defensive and uh, you know, would push back and all of that. And, and I would see the majority of women at that time, you know, be very critical of men and be very um, aggressive towards men. And I've seen in the last few months, women like you who, you know, who are, who do this work and do the intimacy work, who are really standing for men to heal. And, and one of the things that I've gotten really clear on in the last six, seven, eight months is, is how wounded we as men are you know, and how much, how much shame and guilt we carry around and how much expectation there is 
for us to know what to do, you know, not just in the bedroom, but also, you know, in terms of having a life purpose and, and, and all of that. And so there's a lot of pressure on us with no education. And so we're set up to fail in a lot of ways. And so, you know, things that I've unpacked regarding myself, I have a lot more compassion for men. Not that I didn't have compassion before, because I, you know, I got that we, you know, we were responding the way that we were because we didn't know. But just the, the deeper levels of it has been really profound. And, and so that's affected the way that I reach out to men and interact with men and, and even acknowledge the women who are really standing for our healing. That's so good. I, you know, when, <laughs> when you said it, I wanted to say, yeah, I stand for everybody's healing. You know, I don't, ha I don't care what someone's sexual orientation is or what gender they identify with or whatever, or with their race or their age. I mean, I stand for everybody. It's not even healing uh, because it assumes that something's kind of broken. And at the same time, I don't even like to come from that base anymore but to, more to say i want everyone to feel empowered and, and uh i want them to know that there's more to empowerment than how smart they are or how much money they have mm -hmm. or or power over uh i empowerment to me means feeling free to have my own choices to pursue my own desires and fuel my intentions you know and sexual energy plays a big part in that um, but I'm, I stand for everybody and I'm thrilled at what you're doing. I'm thrilled what you're getting in touch with. And that thing you said about, you know, men are just supposed to know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's sad, but true. Men are supposed to know, you know, men are supposed to make the first move. Men are supposed to be the vulnerable ones who ask for the phone number, the date, the mm -hmm. second date, the get to first base question, you know, open up the the safe sex conversation, have uh, pay for the meal, open the door, you know, do all these things. And, um, you know, men don't really, they just learn that as part of the package of, of being a man. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, nobody, there's no school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's no, you know, dealing with the, you know, I, I don't like to use the term rejection, but that's how it occurs. Like, you know, we're not taught how to handle that because, you know, our success, you know, basically we're, we're brought up to believe that we're supposed to be successful with everybody. Every woman we ask out is supposed to, to want us. And if there's not, then there's something wrong with her or there's something wrong with us. And it just sets up this dynamic where we're not allowed to be graceful because we don't like, we don't even know to be graceful with that. Right. Right, exactly, exactly. I know, for example, my partner, Michael Gibson, he is, uh, he teaches a, a class called Just Add Skill mm. for men. And he teaches men how to actually touch a woman. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, what, how would he know how to touch, how would they know to touch a woman? How would they even figure that out because they don't know, you know, they just had to, and a lot of men, you know, in making love, we'll talk about the other stuff too, the behaviors yeah. and the politics and everything. But I'm just saying, you know, he said that he says to me, you know, like he learned one trick that worked with a couple of women yeah. and that, and he became like a one trick pony and he became pretty good at pickup. And then he would get a woman home. And then he said, some women said to him, 
okay, that's all right. Never mind. <laughs> you know, and, got, uh-huh. and got up and left and said, you know, like he had no skill. Mm. And he and he, he's teaching these classes now to a lot of men who the same thing, you know, it's so um it's it has so much anxiety. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. Um my my skill initially came about accidentally and I'll I'll, I'll explain. Um yeah, as a you know, fourteen year old boy looking for masturbation material. Uh, I found a sensual massage videotape in my dad's dresser. And, you know, it was like hidden in the back, but, you know, I was looking around. And so I found this tape. And so that was what I used, you know, as, as you know, because it was naked women. But, but right. I was, what I was seeing was how to give a sensual massage and how to touch a woman and how to, you know, even how women can touch men, which I saw that. First, and then when I saw like an actual porn, mm. it was so different. And uh, like I remember feeling sick the first time I saw porn, and it just seemed so disconnected and weird. And it's like, how am I supposed to do that? And like everybody was so exaggerated. Like the women were exaggerated in their appearance, and so were the men. And it just didn't seem like anything pleasurable honestly but but then i but i had had the background of the videotape and so when i started i didn't start dating until i was in my 20s um but i i realized at that point that the way women responded to me was because i had spent so much time watching these sensual massage videos um and and then you know ordering other videos that were along those lines that, that's so cool that you stumbled upon that and it actually gave you some skill yeah because most men as you know um and probably women these days are uh, especially younger uh mm-hmm. people are exposed to porn and so that exaggerated stuff is what they think is real and right. and so that causes a huge uh gap between uh, what really is people want to be, feel like and what people have seen and yeah. imagined they're supposed to perform like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about, I want to talk about this, this too sensitive thing. Mm, okay. What you're writing, the, the, the article, every week your contribution to the Good Man Project. I want to talk about that and find out what that means too sensitive and what you mean by it and and then you know what's the antidote or whatever so uh if you just tuned in you're listening to sex and happiness i'm laurie handlers i'm interviewing matthew solomon who this is his second appearance on uh sex and happiness because the first time he was just out of the box you know like he just the book was going on campaign that day or the next day or something and um, made it to a uh, number one new release. And um, yeah, so he's back now because after that, something like that happens in your life, a lot happens. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about today. So stay tuned. We're coming right back. Sexual. Did you ever stop to think that love is your birthright? that you don't need to earn it or prove it. You just need to live it. I'm personally inviting you to the path of true love, power, and freedom. If you're ready to enliven your soul through conscious sexuality 
and dive deeply into profound ritual that frees your heart, I'm inviting you to join us for the spiritual sexual shamanic experience. This is better known to most of you as the ISTA Level 1 training. I am regularly leading these courses along with a team of accomplished facilitators all around the world. As a matter of fact, these trainings have taken place in 34 countries. For information on when I'm leading, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com. Or for a full schedule, you can go to SchoolofTempleArts.org. Please consider this invitation seriously because love and freedom are your natural state of being. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown, take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life, physically, emotionally, and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handlers, only nineteen ninety nine paperback and fourteen ninety nine ebook. Order your copy today by going to butterflyworkshops.com. That's butterflyworkshops.com for your copy of Sex and Happiness. My question for people right now is if you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response, or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this, because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra, because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about 10 minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. And that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So, I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So, if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want... Please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handlers on the Sex and Happiness Show. We're back with Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers and I'm interviewing Matthew Sullivan, uh, Solomon. I put a V in your name for some reason. And uh, Matthew is a love and intimacy coach and he specializes in relationships and communication and uh, he's author of the amazon number one new release men's school 
relating with women in the Me Too era. So, Matthew, you're, you've also picked up this The Good Men Project, and you're writing a column called Too Sensitive. Tell us a little bit about that, will you? Yeah, yeah, thank you. It, yeah, I started writing uh, some articles for them, and then they invited me to be a weekly columnist. And we're, we were kicking around what the, the name of the column might be. And, and so what came to mind, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who likes to push back a little bit <laughs> or a lot. And, and I, I have always been told that I was too sensitive, whether it was in a, you know, relationships or when I was younger. And there's this stigma about men being like, you know, women say they want an emotionally available man. And then when he shows up, sometimes they're not ready to handle that. And so they'll blame him and say, oh, well, you're, you're, you're too sensitive. You're too emotional or whatever. And so I was, I was looking at the kind of content that I'm producing, which deals with uh, sensitivity around sexism and racism and homophobia and the development of men. And I'm, I'm a single father also. So, you know, in raising children and, really where I come from is we're already sensitive. We just haven't been given the space to express it. And so, um, so the too sensitive is a kind of like an, an F you. Yeah, I'm too sensitive, but, but because I'm sensitive, I'm great at coaching. I'm able to get into the experience of women. I'm get it, able to get into the experience of people in, of color to, to really understand you know, what that's like for you so that I can translate it to people who don't get it. And, and so that's, that's where all that comes from. And that's what I really uh, work to do with, with the articles that I write and the videos that I post is to really express uh, how we can connect and love each other and ourselves more by, by turning towards each other versus shutting parts of ourselves off or, or becoming distant or denying each other's experience. That's really, that's so great. Um, I want to say something about uh, that too. I mean, I, I want to add my two cents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I used to feel like um, I had men in two categories, John Wayne men and Alan Alderman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot the Alan Alder reference, but that was such like the, the 70s, 80s sensitive man. Yeah, he, so Alan right. Alder was the first man, I think, to join the fe feminist movement. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, so I'm, you know, I apologize, men. I'm just saying anyone listening to the show, I'm sorry I had you stereotyped as John Wayne or Alan Alder. Um, and I, I guess what I've come to know now has to do with um, more with masculine feminine and the fact that we all have both. Mm -hmm. No, even if your even if your gender preference is fluid, you still have some masculine and feminine there, whoever you are, you know, and you could actually play it up or play it down, whichever pole. And I think at the time when women were asking for sensitive men, men to show up who could who could listen who could care who could do the things who could communicate the things you just enumerated um but they had the bad boy 
thing too. You know, like they might, they might've said, Oh yeah, I want the sensitive man, but then they would go out like drinking and whoring with, you know, motorcycle dudes who they'd never hear from again. Mm-hmm. And like, why does there have to be such a split, such a polarity? So I, I want to say now what I know is for me, I really desire my, uh, my partner to be in a really big masculine state a lot so that my feminine can kind of flourish. It's not, uh, my little girl didn't get a lot of, you know, breathing room when I was growing up cause I wasn't safe. So I had to be in my masculine a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I got, I, I have such a kitty cat in there, you know, like I could just go meow, meow all the time when I feel safe uh, in either in my own masculine or if a man is providing that masculine for me, but I'm just as turned on and excited when someone I love deeply who happens to be in a male body Re, uh, relaxes and surrenders into his feminine. Yeah. And I feel like that's a whole set of skills that can be brought out and learned because it is inside all of us. Mm-hmm. And so I don't make any distinction anymore. Like somebody's to this or to that or whatever. And that too sensitive thing. I'm glad you're saying that. I'm glad you're writing about that as a, like a bit of sarcasm and saying, you know, no sensitivity is really important. And, men supporting each other, men looking to their bodies to direct some of their feelings, um, not just the analysis capacity or the logic capacity of the, of the cerebral cortex. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great. And I, you know, I, but before I did have a prejudice about Alan Alderman, I have to admit it. <laughs> so it's like, I was looking a little more for John Wayne's, but I didn't know them what I was looking for. Yeah, it's so it's so great what you said. You know, I, I coach couples also. And, you know, in particular, there's a there's a couple where the, the man, you know, he's a, like a manly man, like a big, burly, manly man who's like very successful in business and, and very, you know, physically active and, and big. Right. Mm-hmm. And when when I talk to him one on one, he really desires to be able to let his guard down and to open up and to talk about things. And so that's been really healing for him to, to have that space to do that. Um, So that's, that's, you know, one thing I want to say, the other thing is I I agree, you know, with the masculine and feminine uh, labels that it, it's, it gets kind of problematic because I, you know, I, being a sensitive man, uh, I'm somebody who, when I was married and, and, you know, in, in, a, in other lifetimes of, of this lifetime, I was told, you know, I was, I was too in my feminine or I was a very feminine man. And so even hearing the word masculinity triggers part of my brain that's like, oh, my manhood is being questioned. You know, regardless of if it's toxic masculinity or positive masculinity or whatever, right. like, there are just these connotations that we have. And, and so I like to not use them in coaching you know, it comes up in, in interviews and it comes up when I speak just because it, it provides a context and it is something that's, you know, in our vocabulary. But it is, there, there is a lot of context and weight that comes with femininity and masculinity and, and what we make that mean about us. And in a yes. lot of ways, we make ourselves wrong. Yes. 
Yeah, see, that's the danger. Making ourselves wrong about anything is dangerous. I mean, I don't care what it is. It's like, um, why? Why are we wrong? Why is anything wrong? I mean, unless we're doing something that really violates another human being, there's nothing wrong. It's just that uh, we've come, we have labeled so many things as as wrong. Yeah. See, I like to st- I like to have people play with the polarities, mm-hmm. with their polar opposites, and I like to have people switch them. And I like to, just like Dom and Sub. I mean, I don't yeah. think anybody can really be a good Dom unless they've been a Sub, like to, unless they've surrendered totally to somebody and know what that feeling is. How could they dominate somebody and know that they're giving them so much pleasure? Um, yeah. It's to me, playing the polarities is fun, but that's play. That's yeah. the same thing as children, you know, climbing on a, a big height or going on a seesaw or sliding down a slide or jumping in the water. To me, it's play. And when the play is over, then I'm I sort of back to neutral and I yeah. can call on any of it. So I wouldn't label it wrong. You, it's funny, you were called too sensitive and I was called too angry. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's only when I stopped making my anger wrong and I embraced it as a gift that was informing me, was I able to, like, let go of my own real deep insecurity. Yeah. So... Yeah. You know, I don't know how I got that way. I really don't know what happened. I don't know what the trauma was. I still don't know. But I do know that I embraced the anger and it almost dissipated. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so if you embrace your sensitivity, it dissipates into like an, another one of your superpowers. Right. And that's and that's what has happened, which is it's so you're so right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um you're so right. It's it it's something that I'm just like, this is what makes me good at what I do. And this is what has me show up for women in a way that they appreciate. And I honestly, I've been called masculine so much in the last year versus the, 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 you know, my previous life that, that it's like, wow, okay, well, whatever, whatever I'm doing is, is working and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and growing and and changing. But it's really been, an interesting journey, like you said, you know, accepting the anger that you have, accepting the sensitivity that I have has, has opened me up to just be like, yeah, this is, this is who I am and this is what I do. And it's funny because it freaks people out sometimes when I do uh, go into a more aggressive mode when it's called for. And I, I trust myself enough to know that I'm, I'm choosing to do that when, when I see it's necessary. Yeah, it's so good. I totally get it. I'm pretty quiet these days, you know. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm co-facilitating with others, you know, I'm usually the quietest member of the three-person panel because I don't have any axe to grind anymore. I don't have anger running the show. Yeah, so great. So I just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and it it freaks out. You know what freaks out? Old friends, you know, people who know me from forever. They... They just are like, what are you, are you on drugs? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, a, it's really interesting. All right, well, we're going to take another break. When we come back, let's talk about um, what's happening in Me Too these days and how, should, how could 
what are some possible ways to respond um, for men and women? What are some possible, what are some constructive ways to, uh, to deal with me too? Uh, whether you're somebody who needs to, to come out with something that you haven't expressed before, whether you're somebody who's accused of something, you know, like whatever it is, because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's so volatile still um, that maybe we need to talk about people's survival strategy. What do great. you think? Yeah, you know? sounds good. Okay, great. So this is Laurie Handler as you're listening to Sex and Happiness. And you, I'm, I'm talking with Matthew Solomon, who wrote the book, The Man's School. And um, that's, you know, how to relate to women in the era of hashtag me too. And he's done a great job. And he's, it's, it, it, the book has, you know, launched him in terms of, you know, maybe uh, he had a, his coaching career before, but now he's known. Like it's launched him into in, at least a national uh, hit and maybe international places too, although Me Too is pretty much these days still an American phenomenon. Um, we'll find out about that and like things, survival strategies uh, for whoever is being affected by it and, and, and what to do. So please stay tuned. This is an important show. So many times you've heard Lori talk about emotional release on this show. She says over and over again how important it is for you and your loved ones. Now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. And you can practice Lottie Han too, meditation that prepares you for making love in the unknown. In her CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, she creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her Butterfly Workshops courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. This CD actually provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lottie Han today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order your copy, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com right now. As a sex and happiness coach, I understand that increased sexual participation intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with a Sibian has personally increased my sexual response, and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add. Trust me on this. I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N.com. Or call 1-800-253-6135. That's 800 253 6135 
and say Laurie Handler has told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for Men. That's Venus, V-E-N-U-S, for men. This is Sex and Happiness, third segment. And we're, I'm talking to Matthew Solomon, and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what happens with Me Too now. So if you're somebody, so what would you say to uh, people, men or women, that have something they still haven't divulged? You know, they still haven't declared it anywhere. They still haven't told anybody. What would you say about that part? Got a take on that? Uh, I, I do. I don't, you know, my, my opinion is that it, it's always good to process through this stuff with a professional, mm. um, you know, and that's something I know that you do and I do. And, and, you know, when, when various, uh, you know, the me too online movement, you know, there've been some peaks, right. There've been like when it first happened and then when the, the Kavanaugh hearings happened and, where where sensitivity was even more heightened and and people were even more involved and and there's more of a uh opportunity for people you know victims of this to be triggered um something that i had done was open myself up and made myself available for people who just wanted to talk and needed support you know free of charge and so i i'm always a, a big proponent of like you don't have to share your story publicly but it, but it's important to share it with somebody who can hold space and really allow you to process through whatever it is you need to process through so that you can get to your healing. Uh, so that's, you know, that's my only, I guess, advice re regarding all of this. It doesn't have to be, like I said, a big public thing, but it's, it's important to, to unpack that and to acknowledge that if there was something that happened to you, that, that that happened and to really get into how you feel about it and how that's affected your life and, and what you can do about it by, by first acknowledging it. Yeah, I agree with you. I do agree with you. And I mean, I do, we deal with it. All. I've been dealing with it for 22 years right, right. in my, in my Tantra workshops and in ISTA. Uh, and then probably before that I was dealing with it, you know, and just the, in the in the women's groups and men's groups that I was leading. So I think I've always been somewhat around it mm -hmm. and, and being one of the professionals that people spoke to about it. I think it's important. That part's really important, what you said. And then, like, what if, well, what if you're one of these men who's really scared by it all? You know, like, you don't, you're, you're there's some men who are saying they don't even want to deal with women anymore. Right. What right. about that? I mean, I guess that's an extreme. It it is, but you know, I was uh, I was featured on a piece uh, by AJ Plus, which is part of Al Jazeera, and and they they showed me teaching Man School as a live course, and I actually have it as an online course, a home study for men who want to take it and you know don't want to be like in a group, but you can study it from home and there's videos and all of that. But but a lot of the pushback was from men who like there's the men going their own way. There's the uh, incel movement where, you know, it's like men who are like, it's too scary. I don't want to be accused of being a rapist just for saying hello. So I'm going to stay home and watch porn. And, and yeah, it, it's extreme. I get where the fear comes from because it's, you know, it's coming from a place of not understanding. And so the men that I teach and a lot of men that I interact with who are aware of this, who understand, 
we know how to approach women and have relationships and where the consent boundaries are and how to have those conversations. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's never been a burden for me. You know, if anything, um, if anything, it's provided something for women who have not been able to trust men for a long time because of their experiences. And and then, you know, the one other thing I wanted to mention also is there, we haven't really gotten into the men who have me too experiences. You know, the, the couple of voices that have come out like Terry Crews and uh, uh, Brendan Fraser, I believe, you know, were met with, with pushback from men who questioned, you know, like I, I remember like D.L. Hughley said something about, well, Terry Crews is really big and muscular. How would he let somebody do that to him? But there's, there's so many different levels to, you know, the power play of, of sexual harassment and rape and, and all of that. And so, you know, I would love to see a safe space for men to come forward because, because there's a lot more of us that have had those experiences than, than I, than, you know, I think we're, we're able to handle. Yeah, I, I agree. So, so yeah, like to find support. Yeah. Uh, for that. And um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I read some uh, stunning and I don't mean stunning, like beautiful, some absolutely blood curdlings and stunning Mm-hmm. experiences that men reported i don't know where i don't even know on what on what group maybe on sacred sexuality rising you know okay. on facebook things that uh that have happened uh that were uh that were incredible so i you know to me here's what i say you know what i, I what i'd like to do is have people actually um what's the word get empowered uh to move away from from victimhood and mm-hmm. into creation yeah um and i don't like to do that say that because now i'll be blamed for blaming victims you know <laughs> so like, there's a whole piece to this but i i have here's what i found you know when i was searching for my for my answers you know what happened to me that made me so angry what was I protecting? What soft piece of me underneath the anger? What pain was there that resulted from a trauma? What was that trauma? You know, and I couldn't, I couldn't find it. You know, but I did years of therapy blaming my parents for something. Mm-hmm. And when I did the landmark form, which, you know, I know you're also a, a landmark, and so we can talk about this. When I did the landmark form, I don't remember which form leader it was, but one of them said, you know, you might have been a victim of something, you know, and, and, the, th- and the, ac- the action on the part of the perpetrators was probably really wrong. But for you to stay blaming and, and holding them responsible for the way your life turned out and your choices is keeping you uh, small. Mm-hmm. And the only powerful way to deal with it is to actually take 100% accountability and responsibility for what happened to you. Yeah. And, you know, I heard those words and it was like, they ricocheted off the walls. Yeah. And I didn't, I couldn't make it, I couldn't make the shift the first time I heard it. 
It's like intellectually I got it, but I, my body didn't get it yet. And it took a while, but when my body got it, that I could literally take 100% responsibility for what happened, even not knowing what happened. Mm-hmm. And I could choose to empower myself with that and then choose what I got, choose the way my life turned out, choose the way it all was showing up, choose the way, whatever. I got so strong. I got so powerful. I got so, I got in front of it instead of chasing from behind it. Yeah. And so I, I, to me, like I still hold that as like the empowerment key, like get in front of it and, and, and don't chase behind it. If you, if, if however you could possibly do that, no matter who you are, that seems to me to be the way that, that for empowerment here. Well, I think it's such a, well, thank you for bringing that up. It's such a great conversation and, and foundation because you know, one, one of the problems is we, we collapse being responsible with being to blame. Right. You know, a lot of times, you know, people are like, oh, okay, well, I, so you're saying I'm to blame for what happened to me. And it's like, and it's no, that's, that's not it. It's being able to look at the roadmap of your life. And this thing that happened, you know, when I was seven, that was horrible, that had all of these consequences and traumas and all of that. From that point on, I made all of these choices to protect myself from that. And so it's not I'm blaming myself. It's of course I chose to do that to keep myself safe. Of course I chose to not trust men. Of course I chose to be angry. Of course I chose to, you know, to be a, you know, reclusive and, and, you know, and all of that, of course I chose to whatever, you know, but it comes from a place of, of acknowledging, you know, first of all, that we're wired for survival anyway. And, and to, and so the responsibility part is just saying, Oh yeah, of course I did that. I was, I was taking care of myself and it may not, you know, take the, the pain away, but in just being able to kind of see how things play out, then you can make new choices if you want to. And you don't like nobody has to, you know, but you can say, OK, well, I've lived, you know, 30 something years not trusting men because of this thing that happened when I was seven. And of course, I chose to do that because it was horrible. And as you know, being 45 now, I can I can you know, see like maybe maybe there is a way for me to open myself up to, to trusting men. Maybe there is something that I want more of from life that I'm willing to take some chances now because I'm not a seven-year-old child. I'm an adult and I have different, uh, you know, access to different strengths and tools and, and people than I did back then. So, so it really is about, like you were saying, getting into choice and making choices that support the kind of life that you want from this point forward versus protecting yourself from the kind of life you've had based on things that happened in your past. Exactly. Thanks for all that clarification. Yeah. It's really, really good. That's it. That's what we're talking about here. It, it, it's, it's not, ter- it's not rocket science. Um, it's yeah. not terribly complicated, but it does take some, it takes real presence mm-hmm. and consciousness to, uh, to, to catch. It did for me anyway, to catch myself when I was, 
leaning back into a story of blame rather than moving forward into a story of choice and creation. Mm -hmm. And um, it's great. It's great, Matthew. Well, okay, we have just a few seconds left. So is there anything we didn't cover or any tip that you want to give to anybody? I mean, we just gave them like, you know, their money's worth in this last, the last part we talked about. (laughs) Is there anything though that we've, that I might've forgotten to ask you about that, that we can, that we want to mention? Oh, we can, we can mention how to get the book. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, how to get the, the, the online program too. Sure. Well, everything is on my website, which is coachwithmatthewsolomon.com. And, and there, the book, the course, uh, being able to, you know, work with me, couples and, and individuals and groups, uh, you know, that's all on my website and then access to me on social media, you know, so Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of that. All right. That's wonderful. So you heard it here, coach with MatthewSolomon.com. That's where you can find everything that we've just talked about and more. So Matthew, thanks for being my guest again. Thanks for doing what you're doing in the world. My pleasure. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And everybody, I hope that you enjoyed this and I hope that you will tune in next time when I will have another amazing guest who will be about your sex and your happiness. And uh, this is Laurie Handlers signing off and thanking you all for being my wonderful listeners. I couldn't, I couldn't or wouldn't even bother to do this without you. I know this makes a difference and I want you to know it makes a difference to me too. Thank you all and goodbye. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.